0: Hello and welcome to the Revenue Execution Podcast Series, uh, hosted by Model N. My name is David Johnson. I'm responsible for product marketing within Model N. And today I am joined with uh, Larry Walsh, who's going to uh, discuss sort of channel uh, topics with us. So Larry, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the 2112 Group.
1: Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, again, I'm Larry Walsh, the CEO and Chief Analyst of the 2112 Group. where a We're a research and strategy firm specializing in helping technology vendors and, you know, essentially we work with many different companies on understanding channel dynamics, um, helping develop new strategies and new routes to market, optimizing existing routes to market, um, and creating enablement mechanisms and programs to help strengthen the relations between vendors and their partners, as well as make partnerships more uh, more productive.
0: Wow, you cover a lot of ground at the 2112 Group. Yeah, well,
1: there's also that we're also the publishers of Channelnomics, so it's a it's a it's a media site that for partners that explains the economics of of channels, so that the partners understand how all of this works and what it means to
0: them. So it's not just a one way conversation. I would like to spend some time talking with you on channel disruption. I know you, uh, you know made a career out of observing the channels and being an expert on what's happening and I think maybe, you know, maybe the first topic is, is now the most, can you quantify the amount of disruption that's occurring? Is there more disruption now than there's ever been or is this just a cycle that we're going through and um, the channel needs to keep up and and pay attention?
1: Change happens slowly until it doesn't. Yeah. And change is a threat until it's not. As, uh, Cisco's CEO, Chuck Robbins, uh, recently lamented about this, is that the forces of cloud computing and services-based models were seen as a threat to Cisco just a few years ago. And companies like Cisco, because mm-hmm. they made their money selling mm-hmm. hardware and some software and services on the side. Oracle, Microsoft. I mean, All of them, yeah. And now, those cloud services, those cloud businesses, are what's propelling their growth and their revenue. Mm-hmm. And is it the most disruptive time in the business? Uh, probably. Quantifiably, it's hard to actually point at a number and say, hey, look at this, you know, Jim, you know, this, is, this is right here on this, this part of the graph. This is where it all happened. Um, we can see, though, is that it's, it is truly disruptive because... Even the models that the partners have evolved into, uh, whether it's managed services or cloud services, they're not viable, long-term viable models the way that we thought they were going to be, or, the, or at least the way that they were built. We were told that you know, this is the model that's going to carry you in perpetuity into the future and everybody's going to love you for it. And now you're seeing managed services commoditize. And you're also seeing booth commoditization, the ability to automate and scale. You're seeing more vendors push managed services direct to customers. Uh, you're seeing more advanced technologies come into the market, and it's no longer they're no longer on the periphery. Um, you know whether we're talking about automation, Internet of Things, big data, um, cognitive computing, AI, machine learning. You know, again you know we can roll the dice and do bingo on that again but um all these technologies these are not simple and it's gonna it and it's gonna cause huge amounts of disruption to what would be rank and file traditional partners yeah so yeah I mean it's it's truly disruptive I used to describe it i I often describe it like this is that we used to get breathers you know it used to be waves so you know remember it's like you know, if you're old enough like me, you remember an old Sting song, and it's hard to even say old Sting song now, but, you know, Love is the Seventh Wave, because that was the thing. Growing up on the, on the water in Massachusetts, I would say it's true. The Seventh Wave was the, was the big one, and then you'd start the cycle again. And there was always a pause between them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The technology changes were kind of like that. When the PC came in, It slowly built up, and then it took off, and we all had time to adapt and prepare for it, and then it trickled off. And then you had the internet, and the internet came in, and it had a slow build, and then it peaked, and then it trickled down a little bit. You know, when I say internet, I'm just talking about networking, you you know. So now we have multiple disruptive waves happening simultaneously, and we have for a while. So there is no breather, and there's no real clear direction on which way you're supposed to go. And it's even harder to look down down the, down the road and say, well, what's next? You know, not to say this is a little far afield for something like what we're talking about, but um, it's hard for us to imagine self-driving cars, even though they're out there, they're talking about them all the time. But even under, you know, the most optimistic projection is, is that self-driving vehicles will hit critical mass by 2025 conservative projection is 2035 this means it's happening right now yeah and it will so you know let's just go with the 2025 this is a critical mass that means that we're going to hit that inflection point of acceleration probably in 21 or 22 so this is all unfolding right now is what do you do to get on board with that What's the next thing and how do you prepare for that? That's the challenge. And that's what really I think is more disruptive is trying to imagine what comes next.
0: So that, that's kind of my thoughts when, when I ask the question is that the, the, the pace of disruption is increasing or the lag time between is, is decreasing. Is, is it the new norm? It's just disruption is, is a constant and that's now normal operating procedure? Absolutely. Processes? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, you can't. Um,
1: the idea that you go into business and that's your business. This mm-hmm. is what I do, and I'm going to do this. And I'm going to, you know, cradle to grave on this thing. Um, and not that that's ever really been true. Uh, you know, I, it's a nice little pop quiz. I, you can tell I'm a collector of useless information. Um, what was IBM's first product? Typewriter? No, maybe it was something different. That's what I thought it was. What no. was it? Industrial skills. Oh wow. Yeah. 1880s. Okay. Right. So IBM made scales. And those scales they transitioned into punch machines. They were just tabulators. They Mm -hmm. weren't even calculators. They were just tabulators. And they went through a lot of iterations over the decades, you know, to where IBM is today. You know, like Microsoft. You know, Microsoft what is Microsoft today? Microsoft is a conglomerate of video games, advertising, um, business productivity, and business applications and cloud infrastructure, to name a few. Yeah, They have life sciences and all this other stuff. They were an operating system. Now, they still have an operating system today. I mean, Windows is still the number one at least thick client operating yeah. system in the world. But they're hard, they, Microsoft hardly looks like what it looked like in 1976, 77. Mm-hmm. You know, and even then, you start thinking about you know what was Bill Gates' first business? His first business venture was uh, you know him and uh, Paul Allen tried starting a company in uh, New Mexico, where they took the data from you know those those strips they put on the road to measure traffic. Yeah, they took that and they were doing the analytics and selling it back to the, the states for road planning mm-hmm. and whatnot. The business failed. Yeah. But yeah, that's what uh, you, know, you yeah. could arguably say that was the original Microsoft. Yeah. You know, so no, it's we. But th- every year now the pace is now different is that you have to go into every year and soon it could be every six months of what are you going to do differently what is it that's going to make a difference mm-hmm. and this is where you have to have this world view of, of how do you have an impact I, to me this is one of the litmus tests that we use is you ask somebody you know, you know, what, you know what's your value uh, you can't ask somebody that question so we ask you know, how are you going to change the world you can define the world any way you want to. You know, it could be your neighborhood for all you, you know, for all you, ma- for all that matters. But unless you have a vision for what that's what you're supposed to be, it's hard to actually be able to maintain pace with the world around you because at least with that vision, a vision is adaptable. You can change the mechanics of what goes in that vision. But if you go out there and you say, hey, um,
0: I make widgets, yeah, you're disrupted. Yeah. Very quickly. Yeah, very quickly. Very quickly. All right. Um, so you said something recently. Channel programs will expand beyond traditional IT partners. Um, what are you referring to there? What is this just part of the disruption? Is this unique to to channels? What what what, what are you trying to grasp? Or so I will uh, uh, tell you a few different
1: ways. Twenty one twelve is represented by a wonderful law firm based in New York. Um, and they now hold seminars on technology. Um, my accountant advises me on which applications to use, and also pointed me in the service providers for different applications that we need or different managed services that we need to run our business. Yeah, these professional services are having a greater impact on decision making, consumption, expenditures, and they are going to. They are already having. Uh, transforming the way a lot of customers think. Going forward, though, you're going to see channel partners and the natures of the channel community change as more non-traditional IT companies come in. Um, A couple of, you know, about a year or so ago, I was uh, was at a conference, and I was listening to a guy from Cisco talk. Uh, He was the head of IoT. And he was talking about how Cisco and Caterpillar did a joint project where they turned earth movers into drones. So here are these giant earth movers, like you see. A little like, frightening, right? No, but I mean, you know, the, you know, like little kids love the big talking toys, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they took the real talking toys, like you see on TV, and you know, and and they turned them into drones, and they were operating them a hundred miles away. I was like, well, wow, that's fascinating. So I asked them, and they're said. So does that mean that Caterpillar's dealers are now Cisco partners? Because you have to think about the yeah. extension of the channel. SAP told Did me. Did they you know, have an answer to that? He actually hadn't thought of it that okay. way. You know, he hadn't really thought about it that way. I'll tell you that, that Microsoft has. Microsoft has been putting its sync application into Ford cars for the better part of a decade. I have one. And you know what? Microsoft considers Ford a partner. Yeah. Now, does Microsoft consider the Ford network of dealers, a partner, not necessarily, but that's going to change yeah. because those dealers, you know, once you start having choices, you know, de- even today is like, um, uh, I just got a new car, uh, against my better judgment. I was really hoping that Uber was just going to take over my life. Um, <laughs> but no, no kidding. I just like, I, for think about it, our most, you know, most of us, we use our cars maybe two to 5% of the time. Otherwise, it's just lost expense. So that's why I was trying to get away from it. But here I am. I go into my dealer, and they're walking me through because they all have geniuses now too. Right. And he goes, and he goes, and it has uh, whatever the Apple application is in there for iPhone. So the iPhone syncs up, and you can you can you can uh, mirrorcast onto mm-hmm. the, yep. the screen. Right? I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. I'm a Droid guy. I, I, I've, I've never had an iPhone. I've only had Samsung. I'm same? yeah. Okay. Oh, can't help you because that's not this model. I'm like, okay, so you only offer this. No, we have some cars that have that, just not this one. At some point, I'm going to be able to have that choice. It's just software.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Right? So that's when a car dealer is going to be influencing what it is that you actually do. Mm -hmm. you know and it goes beyond that so yeah there's a lot of non-traditional type of companies that are going to come in and they're really going to have a a tremendous impact and that's IOT dragging more you know because I joked about this Um, I got a new uh, washer and dryer and I'm looking at it going you can't see it because it's still buttons on the outside but there's a lot of software on the inside yeah yeah and I asked, I was like, oh, does the guy who's programming Fortnite, you know, he goes to work all excited because he's on the hot game out there, right? Yeah. Does the guy at Samsung or LG go to work with the same enthusiasm? Like, uh, I got that spin cycle right. 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 But that's what they are now those manufacturers of these products, there isn't a device out there that doesn't have some code in it, mm-hmm. and the more code that goes into it, the more influence they're going to have on decision yeah. making. So yeah, we see that happening.
0: I bet you they get incredibly excited about how this connects to the smart home, right? When they start thinking outside of just the the program that they're writing for the clothes washing machine, I'm, I hope they get excited. Well,
1: I get excited when I think about things like uh, mass customization. So, when you start talking about how do you create automated manufacturing processes, mm-hmm. and that are essentially, I think, you know, try warping your mind around this, but automated machines, essentially robotics, creating industrial products that are also automated that go into somebody else's yeah. product, right? Yeah. And there's an entire continuum that's going to be created like that. Um, we were uh, sponsored the. Uh, Fog World Congress this year, we were we, I spoke at it, and um, we had a lot of interaction with these people. So fog is that layer between to close to the edge, not quite up to the cloud. Yeah. This is where all the IoT devices mm-hmm. are going to be, you know, are going to be controlled at. And we're talking with these people, and I mean they're brilliant, absolutely brilliant about what the IoT world is going to look like and the protocols that have to go into it. And I asked the question because in New York we don't have tolls anymore. Mm-hmm. You know they take our money wirelessly. Yeah. You know, and believe me, they do it if I'm sitting at home. But you know, they make me drive out to the tollbooth still. But I asked, "Who sells this? Who builds it? Who integrates it?" They didn't have an answer. They had no clue. Mm-hmm. So right now, there's a lot of this stuff that's being built out, and there's some specialists out there, and they're bringing in some some IT people to to stitch it together. But there's a whole fabric. needs to come together to create this IoT world to make all these systems talk to each other because it's not just about controlling them, it's not just about monitoring them and maintaining them, it's about drawing analytics out of them, processing, storing, securing. There's an entire continuum of technology and services that is going to go into this and in fact, if you look at the, um, was it uh, I think it was uh, IDC on their IoT projections 750 $59 $59 billion for IoT this year. Most of it is going to be in integrating it legacy systems. Yeah. So, I mean, the
0: opportunities are huge. Yeah. So, I want to spend just a couple more minutes on this topic. It's funny, you bump into Jay McBain from Forrester quite a bit. I do. Uh, so do we. Um, he refers to it as the shadow channel. Is that something that you kind of like, yeah, kind of maybe? Or.
1: Um, look, I will. With mostly, I've known Jay for a long time. He's a great guy. Um, I I I disagree with him about on about fifty percent of the things he talks about, and I will dispute the other <laughs> fifty uh, percent. I joke. Um, the Shadow Channel is his interpretation of. Then um, I may be putting words in his mouth, so I apologize in advance if that's the case. Is um, a translation of Shadow IT. So they are these rogue buyers, and they're buying from these rogue partners, and and so you get these, these parallel systems that are out there. And yeah, you know, there's there's some truth to that. Yeah. Um, there, this notion of the shadow channel, though, it really is a bit nonsensical to me. You, no matter what, it's not the channel that's the shadow; it's the buyer. And the buyers, you know, whether the buyer is the CMO or the CIO, it doesn't really matter. Whether it's, you know, whether it's the IT department or the guy, you know, the sales manager who needs an app in order to get this thing, to get this deal done, and he just swipes a credit card for it. They're all buying through authorized channels. Yeah. All right. So that's not really what it is. I think when you're looking at, you have to ask yourself, not what the buy point is but how did we get there yeah. and so that's where you get more referral models, more influencer models, mm-hmm. um, more of that, that customer relationship because you know, if you look at the GSIs, they may pull systems together but they don't sell they're they the ones helping make introductions or influence on behalf of vendors so it really is more of influence than it is things happening in the yeah. shadows
0: Okay, great. Larry, thank you very much for spending some time with us today. really appreciate your your views and insights. And uh, uh, where can people go to find out more about uh, what you do in the 2112
1: Group? Uh, well, come visit me, my website, the2112group.com. Plenty of great resources there. Read my blog. There's a, all of our research is there. A lot of it is complimentary. You can find out about our services as well. Um, you can also check out Channelomics, uh which is our partner-facing site where we teach partners about the trends and the issues that are happening today.
0: Great. Thanks. Appreciate it, Larry.